are the poetry editor for Topside Press. Yes. Yeah, I, that, that's definitely that's the title. That's that's the assumed name I'm going under at the moment. Um. Yeah. Well, let's start off with. Let's go back in time and think. What was trans literature like? I think before Topside. What was your impression of that? Um. I mean, I guess that's already kind of a loaded question because what you're assuming there, I don't know, maybe not incorrectly in some ways, is that Topside changed a lot of stuff. Um, like, I think I've read, like, I, I was an out trans person for a long time before I was involved with Topside or before I read any of the books mm-hmm. out of Topside. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that that I necessarily had an impression of anything that you would call a subject kind of trans literature before that. I read a bunch of books by trans people. Um, Mm -hmm. I think, for me at least, one of the things that being involved in this scene and reading these books and talking to these people has done is to allow me to think about this not simply as a collection of books by trans people but as something which forms some sort of at least semi-coherent um grouping that you can discuss okay well, the reason why i ask it because you know probably like you it's been many years since i transitioned and you know, we're talking you know back in the 90s and part of that was trying to read everything that is available that has even the remote connection to trans people or trans issues and back to about 2000 it's that's when I was pretty much lost all hope because by then I kept seeing the same stories being written over and over again either the other the, the typical autobiography or the um, the I'm 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 transitioning from from man to woman. This is how it's going to impact my family. That narrative is is and I mean remains a very prevalent narrative, right? Like yes, that's a narrative that a lot of people feel constrained to deploy in certain ways, or sometimes even think they can salvage something from. Like I've definitely mm-hmm. talked to people who've been in positions to write sort of fairly well publicized memoirs who definitely feel there's something they can salvage from that stuff. Um, but on the whole, those books are of limited interest to me, I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I quite agree with you there. Uh, they're also, you know, very limited of use to me as well, which is why I was been so excited like, once I, once I was exposed to Topside and seeing all these. The really... story I like to tell. Okay. Transliteration before Topside. Here's the story I like to tell about that. Which okay. is, do you remember, um, you remember Sarah? I think so. Can you, so this um... came out, I guess this, this was late 90s. I guess this was like, I don't, I'm not sure of the date, but my guess is this would be like 97 or 98. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess when I was like 16 or so, and this book came out by this person, J.P. Leroy. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, right, you remember. All right. Uh, um, and I remember this because like, it got fucking reviewed everywhere. Like at this point I was living in England and it was like reviewed in like the Times, which is what my mum like got in like the fucking Times. And like mm-hmm. I was like 16, I was kind of like out as like gay or something, but not as trans at this point. Um, mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my God, there's a book by a trans woman. 
by someone who's kind of supposed to be sort of a trans woman or something they're like kind of 20 or something and they're like mm. kind of you know and I was like oh my fucking god this is the book I need I need this book and I like went to Waterstones which is like the whatever the big book chain and like I identified where it was on the shelf and I walked backwards and forwards in front of it like five times and like all of these queer writers were super excited right like Dennis Cooper mm-hmm. was really excited like whatever all of these mm-hmm. like Big name queers were getting behind it. I have somewhere this like interview that like Gus Van Sant and uh, Gus Van Sant and Jonathan Cowett did with telephone interview that they did with JT Leroy, which is a remarkable document. They're all talking about like being a rent boy or whatever. Anyway, um, and I walked back and forth in front of it like five times, and then I like grabbed it off the shelf and bought it and like ran home and hid it. And then like two weeks later, I finally got up the courage to read it, and there was just like nothing in it for me kind of I was like oh there's nothing in this one this isn't like a particularly good book and also this tells me nothing that I need to know about the things that I'm trying to figure the fuck out and I was like well either Mm -hmm. I'm not this thing that I kind of think I am or I don't know it was kind of it was kind of actually a devastating sort of thing um and I feel like the point where I read Nevada was the point where I was like oh this is that book this is the book that like 16 year old me wanted and now mm-hmm. there it exists. And that's exciting that there is the book that is like for you. Right. Um, right. So that's the story I'd like to, it, that's, so that's kind of a, yeah. And whatever, there were like also all these books by trans writers, but that moment of recognition of finding the thing that I'd been looking for was definitely something I didn't experience until like 2013. Yeah. I have to agree with you there, and that's really that's why I was really so excited to see, again to see trans pop sites so so active. But now there's um, a lot of books that do that thing. I think it's not just one; there are many. Uh, from pop or just and I mean there always there are other books around. Like I now know of books that I didn't know about that like was hidden around that were like really great books. Like I don't think it's mm-hmm. this case that there was nothing, but I do think it's the case that this stuff was more scattered and now we're starting to be able to think of this as kind of a coherent movement. Like there was totally actually shit around that 16 year old me would have read and like freaked out about, but it wasn't stuff that she was easy. She would easily have been able to like find. Right. Like, cool. I could have been reading Rachel Pollock and that would have been like a big deal, but I didn't know about Rachel Pollock or I could have been reading like these like zines that were coming out, like a antagonist was putting out zines at this point which are like amazing if I'd read like anti mm-hmm. zines when I was like 17 that would totally have been like this thing I fucking needed or like whatever there was stuff around but I think it's starting to be seen more as like a place you can go and like a body of work that people identify and a conversation between multiple authors that's being carried on and so that's great and I mean partly that's about like whatever us as a community and partly that's the work that's being done by like by Topside and also by other trans publishing houses right by like Beauty mm-hmm or by like transgress or like whatever these other people who are doing this too um and partly that's like that's something that's about like technologies that are available to us that it's become easier to publicize books because of the internet it's become mm-hmm. easier to print books because of print on demand it's become easier to keep in touch with people all of these te- like there's been a, there are kind of a lot of like between social media and print on demand books the situation is really changed a lot in ways that like like people that make producing that kind of scene like easier mm-hmm. right I think. um like this year's lambda transfer i'm talking a whole fuck page you can edit this down um 
this year's Lambda Transfiction winner, Ros Caveney's Tiny Pieces of Skulls. That's like a book mm-hmm. trans women talking to trans women, which is the thing that we're like, oh yes, this is what we do. And she wrote that in the 80s, but she couldn't get anybody to publish it. Like, she mm-hmm. talks to all these publishers, nobody would do it. And in the 80s, if no one would publish your book, kind of there you were. Right? Like, what were you going right. to do? No one would publish your book. Whereas, like, now she could have done this, this, this. I don't know someone published it, but, like, she could have, like, self-published it. She could have put it up on her, like, blog, like, whatever, right? Like, mm-hmm. there are mm-hmm. all these options now um, in ways that there weren't. So those books existed. Uh-huh. What I think has come into existence more recently is this kind of ability to talk about a scene. All right. So what, can you describe that scene then? I mean, do you want me to say that it has like a, any coherent features? <laughs> well, well, do you think it does? Let me just ask um, you that question. God, I mean, listen, it probably does have some coherent features. I think it will probably take a certain amount of time to be able to see those. There was a thing that Trish Salah said when I like wrote an article. I wrote an article about like trans poetry for the Guardian a while back. Um, I don't remember how she phrased it. She said, "I'm not sure if it's a movement. It's definitely a community. Um, mm-hmm. Something like that." Um, that like there are a bunch of trans writers that I know and who know each other who are all aware of each other's work and there is some kind of readership for this which means that then there are people who are turning up being like I want to know about this scene and I mean it's somewhat fragmented it's fragmented geographically in pretty intense ways it's fragmented across like barriers of kind of literary taste or whatever that different people have different kind of interests there are some people who are more like experimental there are some people like us who I think are more concerned with sort of you might say more traditional properties of kind of narrative format or of like poetic structure. It's fragmented across barriers of like class. It's fragmented across barriers of like race, like all of these things. But at the same time, there's like a bunch of people who kind of know each other and are talking. And then there's also a whole lot of other trans writers who are like not part of that thing, who don't even necessarily know about that thing. Some of whom are doing like really interesting work or whatever. And Definitely, I think of myself as someone who, like, is really keen to go out there and meet all of those people as well and, like, try and build as many connections. Because mm-hmm. I think, like, one of the big things that you can do with art is form community around it. And I think us forming community, probably on the whole, good insofar as we managed to do this, obviously with all manner of defaults and failures. Okay. So you see, perhaps as Top Size more is less of a publishing company, is more of a, a community. I mean, we are literally a publishing company, and I totally believe in like we try to put out good literature and do it kind of professionally and like do a good job by our authors and like get this stuff out. There are also ways in which we are using these tools in the book trade to do certain kinds of community activism or to make certain kinds of like impact on like within community i think that's also true i don't think those things are opposed i would like to say both <laughs> <laughs> yeah because one thing i've noticed about top size you're not only just publishing books but you're also doing other things you're, you're having a, a workshop coming up in brooklyn college yeah uh, totally. soon. Um, and you and he's doing a lot more like this like that activity 
Yeah, um, um, totally. We do like a lot of stuff, like things we do. So we're organizing this workshop from college, which came came up out of frustration with the difficulties getting trans women in particular, but trans people more generally, but especially trans women into more kind of widely recognized established workshops like the Lambda Literary will take one person every year. They will take one, one trans woman. That's kind of it. And they're like, well, this is all we can find. And we were like, oh, well, look, we just found like 24. Um, and as for like, you know, more established things like bread loaf, like forget about it. And so this was like, OK, listen, our community should have this thing. People should be coming together and talking. We can raise the money to hire someone who is like of the quality of instructor that you get at these kind of events. And we can get a venue to do this. We can do it in New York City, which will be great. And we can do it all trans women and the conversations we think are going to be really exciting. Like, I know I definitely want to be a fly on the wall in those rooms. Like, I'm looking at the list of people who are coming and I'm like, oh, I can't wait to hear all the things you say and see all the things that you write. Um... No, I, I agree. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at them thinking, you know, I really wish I can participate, but, you know, a lot of, I have a lot, myself have a lot of barriers. Would there be any opportunities to perhaps, you know, perhaps provide electronic resources or perhaps videos or uh, recordings of these sessions so that others from... I think probably we, my guess would be probably we won't be recording them um, because I think that would possibly inhibit people's feeling of freedom to talk in them. Um, mm -hmm. I, yeah, so I think what we will definitely do instead is providing that this works and everything goes off smoothly, we will do this again. There will be more of these. There will hopefully be bigger of these. Um, this is not like a one-time only blink and you've missed an opportunity. This will hopefully be something that, like, we felt terrible, you know, in the end we couldn't take everybody who applied. We wanted to take everybody who applied. Mm -hmm. um, and so we definitely want to try and make sure that, like, everyone who wants to can get some kind of opportunity to go to something like this. Um, okay. But yeah, so we do the workshops. Like I also run like I also run a workshop like every month in New York City, which is the Trans Poets Workshop NYC, and that's like that's like a regular just anybody can turn up thing. Um, and we talk about like we spend like God like two and a half hours every month dissecting each other's poetry, and then we eat bad Mexican food. We do like a lot of events. We did the Better of Red events, which um, we've done that twice, which are basically giant readings of as many trans women as want to turn up and read and they go on for hours and they are amazing and everyone is very excited and they are mm -hmm. just like single readings of trans women ever as far as we're aware um we do these like book tours um i organized last year i organized a 20-day tour of the uk and ireland and the year before that 2014 i organized like what was it like a 40 odd date tour of um canada and the us so we do these tours that like these authors who are writing this literature for trans people will turn up in people's towns and they we will market these events primarily to trans communities. They're not in bookshops. They're not even usually in universities. Often they're in bars or in people's houses. And like, whatever, sometimes you get to a town and five people turn up. Sometimes you get to a town and like every transsexual in town is there and everyone is excited. Everyone is talking to each other. We like read with local readers so that all these local readers have a chance to like share a stage with like established authors or whatever and feel like okay yes i'm doing this this is real i can do this too um and so those are definitely those tours i mean those tours are like a primary way that we market books and get our authors to be able to make money but also those are a way that we build community so definitely like 
a lot of the things that we're doing are around this idea of like let's bring people together let's try and build community with this that's definitely yeah that's definitely something we're like thinking about a lot and there are always limits to that but that's definitely an undertaking right what what limitations are you still seeing in regards to, in regards for trans people maybe trans women specifically in regards for them to publish their work so you say again what oh what other what barriers are you still seeing in regards to trans people or trans women specifically um, being published what barriers are we seeing like a million fucking barriers like like cool there's like a certain kind of tool that we figured out that we can kind of put stuff out but like we are like a small independent volunteer publishing house we are basically mm. like a couple of trans people getting together and doing this in the time that we can liberate from the work that we do to earn money to live and on the whole we do this pretty well and sometimes people like i think have this misapprehension that we're like this huge well-funded kind of death star evil evil empire kind of entity and it's like nah this right now is like kind of me and tom um and has been other people historically like julie blair and Riley mcleod and there's like a few other people who are like kind of a bit involved in this but like this is like just a couple of people doing this from our bedrooms basically um we get our authors paid but they don't get paid like a lot of money we do as much publicity as we can but like this stuff is not getting reviewed in the new york times like and there's like us and there are like a couple of other people who are doing this like there's jamie brute in texas is like oh she's in portland now is doing a bunch of stuff i think beauty is still doing stuff like there's a few other people who are doing similar kind of things but like our own access is very limited right like the mm -hmm. access that like topside has is very kind of limited let alone the access that our authors have a lot of the authors that we publish are people who are, are like totally broke who have like no money we've published mm -hmm. people who are like kind of functionally homeless or like in danger of being homeless we've published people i mean do i don't think any of the authors we've published have access to health insurance <laughs> these are people in like a lot of them, most of them, in like often quite intense like daily material need, and like sure we try to like pay in advance and like we do our best to allow them to sell books and we're like working, but like no one is actually making a living off of this stuff. Mm -hmm. So in terms of like literal like you know material barriers to like being able to like write like, full time, like there are tons of them in terms of like barriers to like getting attention to these books and like getting these books out in the world like cool whatever the mainstream press would way rather talk about transparent right mm -hmm. um sometimes there are glimmers of hope um i know that imogen just got hired to write for that new tv show that laverne cox is on imogen binney uh, mm -hmm. and that's like a huge deal that like maybe mm -hmm. this show which has like a trans woman in like a second role like she, but she's like a recurring character which is going to be going out on like network television and one of the writers in that room is going to be Imogen and that's like fucking amazing both like in terms of its representation of trans people and also in terms of its like politics because it means that you're not going to be able to be having conversations about the legal system without someone like Imogen who clearly takes a very critical stance from that kind of thing and that's really mm -hmm. like that is both some kind of very radical politics and some like very funny writing very good writing being injected into a kind of larger representation of trans people so there are cracks i'm not saying there aren't cracks but like yeah for most of the writers that are like 
that I see coming through that are like such huge barriers. Like, mm-hmm. and whilst we can do something, primarily what we can do is encourage conversation among like trans people, and even then among like a limited subset of trans people, there is so much more to be done. Right. Uh, you're also looking to edit a trans speculative fiction anthology. Yeah, right. Is this yeah. where I get to talk about all the things I'm publishing? Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. I'll talk about the trans fiction, and also we should talk about all the poetry that's coming out this year. Um, yes. So the trans fiction, yeah, me, I'm, I'm editing it with Casey Platt, um, who mm-hmm. wrote Safe Girl to Love. Um, hoping it will come out in 2017. Um, no guarantees about when in 2017. Um, there are a lot of people in it. It's going to be big. Um, it's going to be fantastic. Um, there are some really amazing stories. Um, Bridget Liang in Toronto wrote us a story about a recently out trans woman who gets turned into a zombie in a zombie outbreak and then kills and eats all of her ex-boyfriends. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's very good. Um, Cooper Lee Bombardier is us a story about how it would literally take the end of the world to make queer people get on with each other (laughs) (laughs) Um, we have a story about um, the second coming of Jesus Christ the immaculate conception of the second coming of Jesus Christ being accidentally womb transplanted into a Muslim trans woman (laughs) (laughs) yeah we have some really really great stories Um, and then there's new work by like yeah. Aoki, there's new work by Image and Finney, there's also work by like a lot of writers who have never really published before and who we are like really excited to be like discovering and putting out into the world. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I am like, I think this anthology is, is going to be great. I, there's an interview up on Bitch, like me and Katie did an interview on the Bitch website where we talk a lot about like why we think Specfic is important, why now that we're doing like our second ever anthology, Topside Second in our anthology we decided we wanted it to be speculative fiction and why we think that's like a uh, area with a lot of purchase for like talking about things i think like i think there's something there about like our feeling is that with the first i mean this is the collection was very various but the thing that kind of came out of it was this idea that we can write realistically about our lives for each other that we can mm. write books like nevada or safe girl to love or like you know whatever that are and there are other books that don't fit this mold. Like I've got a time bomb is not exactly this kind of thing. And I don't know, I've got a time mm. that's like my favorite. Um, <laughs> but like, I think the thing that like gained purchase was this idea of we can write realistically about our lives and about our realities. And like, that's really great. I think the question we were kind of interested in around here was something like, what happens if we don't, what happens if we like go wild and write whatever the fuck we want? <laughs> and I think that's to me that's a really compelling question. That's why we're doing a spec fic anthology. And it turns out uh-huh. we go wild and write whatever the fuck we want. We write really fucking wild things. Um so we're really excited about that. That's in the editing process. Uh, um so there's that. Other things that are forthcoming. Um I have we have three books of poetry coming out this year, which um I'm really excited about all of them. Um I have a book of my own coming out, which is, um, you know, For My Sins, which is a book called Glamopus. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's a book of poems. A lot of them are kind of narrative poems. A lot of them have stories, um, basically about me embarrassing myself. Um, so that is a whole book of my humiliations. Hopefully it's kind of funny. Um, there is a book coming up by Keolandi Barrett called When the Chant Comes, which is a um, book of, like, 
slam poetry um or but kind of like slam poetry that's kind of been like really refined or god i hate to use the word elevated or something so and kay's been like around kind of the scene for a long time he's been like a really important performer he's been really important to a lot of people but his work has never really been accessible in like book format before mm-hmm. so it's mm-hmm. like there being like a lot of kay's work in one place is like just kind of a really big deal um and then we're putting out a book by Kokoma called Reacquainted with Life, which I am like so excited about. I can't even tell you. Um, Kokoma is a black trans woman from Chicago. She's a singer songwriter. Um, she's a poet. She is a fucking mm-hmm. genius. Like, mm-hmm. This book is short and it goes like right for the throat. Uh, oh, wow. One of my friends who read it um, said something like, I fought this book and it beat me. <laughs> <laughs> It is, like, just really, like, intense, sometimes joyful, often incredibly painful, sometimes angry, sometimes hilarious. Um, Yeah, really, like, vivid, kind of visceral, but also, like, really incredibly, like, carefully written, like, beautifully put together. Like, it has this kind of directness, and that directness is not like, oh, I just wrote this. That directness is like, I am really great at writing poetry uh <laughs> so yeah um i'm very excited uh-huh. for that book and i think everybody should read it um and i think everybody's going to want to read it reacquainted with life right. uh, and when will that be out so that is due out september the 6th we're having a launch in new york and we're going to be trying to do a bit of a, we're going to try and tour up and down the east coast and see a bit maybe if we can and see where we go from there um and if, yeah, there's people... exciting projects. We also have a novel that I haven't actually read yet that Tom's been working on, which she described to me as genderqueer Harry Potter with zombies. So... <laughs> okay. So yeah, there's a lot of good stuff coming out. And we have a book of images essays coming out at some point with illustrations by Annie Danger. Um, so there's a lot of things on... And then further off, there's more stuff, but that's our like current publishing kind of docket. Right, right. If anyone wants to, say, host a, a reading um, or, or something regarding, or try and want and want to involve uh, such as uh, this, um, I just forgot her name, uh, the person you just spoke Pokemon. about, who's um, who's booking out September sixth. If someone say, well, for example, myself in Cleveland, uh, wants to try to host something, how would they go about doing so? Yeah, listen, just email me. Um, I am Kat. Or tweet, uh, sorry, I'm cat at topsidepress.com, C-A-T mm. at topsidepress.com. Email me, tweet at me, I am intermittent cat, or tweet at us, we are Topside Press on Twitter, or like whatever, message us on Facebook. We don't check our Facebook messages as much. We'll probably see tweets at us sooner. Um, like, get in touch with us and just be like, hey, I would love to host a reading. Um, I am like trying to get together like a couple of little toilets around the country for various different people, like, or not even... Hesitate to use the language of tours. They're not going to be as big as tours, but a couple of little, like, patches of readings. Um, mm-hmm. And so we're definitely up for, like, doing some readings this fall. So if you want to host people, like, providing we can tie it up with some other places that we'll be, providing we can just, like, literally get to you, then we will try mm-hmm. to get to you. Um, if you feel like you have any leads on any funding that will help with um, getting us there, like if you can like tie it in with like a university or some other kind of community organization that might be like, hey, cool, we will like help you with transport, then we will definitely get there. <laughs> right. <laughs> if, right. Of if, course. If it's just you and it's your house, then if we can possibly make it, we will. Like if we can possibly literally just afford to get there, then we will try. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I, I have a few resources that personally I can try and see. I have a, I have a lot of ideas. It's just you know trying to work with other people. That seems to be the next step. Um, yeah, working with people. My God. Um. Yeah. <laughs> so here's another question I would have. Um, what what advice would you give a trans person who has a story but doesn't really know what to do with it? What do you mean by like having a story? Well, I guess this is I guess a typical. You know, what advice would you give a a a person who wants to be a writer? Let me just put it that way. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't think in many ways that the advice that you give a trans person who wants to be a writer is any different than the advice that you would give anyone who wanted to be a writer. It's just, it like focuses, I mean, I guess maybe there is some extra advice you could give a trans person, but like, I mean, the biggest thing is like write and like think about writing. Like, it's the thing where like everybody has lives, not everybody produces good books, not everyone who produces good books like has an interesting life. Like, So, like, think about this as, like, not as, like, oh, listen, I have to tell my story, but, like, as, like, I need to learn to write really well. I need to learn to write really good books. And that's actually Mm -hmm. hard and difficult and, like, takes a lot of work, which is why we're so keen, for instance, to, like, run workshops where people can come and develop the skills to write really good things. Uh, Mm I think there's this, like, maybe I will be slightly indiscreet. Um, I think there's this kind of notion which is current in certain kinds of talk about literature and identity and about this kind of moment that we're definitely having in literature now, Mm -hmm. like identity politics are kind of to the fore, which is obviously a moment that I'm part of, right? I'm like trans literature, this is identity literature, which is this kind of idea that like what's really important is to represent people. What's really important is to like hear the voices of marginalized people and I feel like this is laudable this is great this is lovely this is kind of not quite right because like marginalized people hear the voices of marginalized people kind of all the time marginalized people like oh whatever the voices of marginalized people I think what we need is not just like writing about us and especially not like writing about us for audience that actually isn't us and we're supposed to make do with it I think it's really the case that what we really want are like really good books about ourselves. Like that's what I want. I don't just want like books about trans people. Like I want really good books about trans people. I want there to be like almost all of the books that I love are books by cis people about cis people. Almost all mm-hmm. of them. And until a few years ago I would have said all of them. And so what I want is more books that I like really love that like also contain people like me and that allow me to see myself in them and that allow me to kind of feel that like I am someone who lives in the kind of ways that people live that like really good literature makes you feel that people live. Um, Right. So I think that there's this thing like we're not exactly here to like empower and lift up people's voices. We're here to like do it. We are definitely here to like help people become really good writers. Mm-hmm. Um, so the biggest piece of advice is just write, like read and write, read a lot, write a lot, think hard about the things that you're reading, work hard on your writing, and like feed those kind of lessons into it. And that's like the biggest thing 
and biggest advice to any other to any writer. Second piece of advice mm-hmm. is like find an audience. Like if you are a trans writer right now, you are in this position where there is like an audience that actually fucking needs you and that you need and everyone needs to like get together around this one. Like so like think about the fact that you're writing I hope you're writing for other trans people, not primarily like whatever, there are all these books out there that are primarily for cis people and yeah, it turns out it's easier to sell those to cis people. <laughs> but like think about the fact that you're writing for trans people. Like target this and so then finally the thing is like participate like if you're somewhere where there is like stuff going on then go to that stuff like turn up meet people if you are able to get on the internet which is you know not a privilege everybody has then cool great there's a lot of conversations there like come join the mark come, come join those conversations like talk to people like everybody's on twitter and they actually say hi because it's not that big right like you can tweet at imogen or Rika or you know god knows you can tweet at tom he'll never stop tweeting back at you <laughs> um so like and also like if you're in a place where nothing is happening you can organize stuff you can just go out and do it like mm-hmm. the transpose workshop that i run that i've been running for like several years now we put out like zines we're probably about to do another zine which I like, which kind of circulated, and I know a lot of people have found exciting. We like do events. We like meet once a month and like discuss poetry and help each other become better writers. Like I just turned up in America and I was like, cool, there are no poetry workshops here for trans people. I'm going to start one. Um, and that was kind of a thing I did before I was involved with Topside or whatever. And I kind of got involved with Topside slightly off the back of that. Like you can just start things. And mm-hmm. wherever you are, you can do that. Like, like there's generally space around somewhere you can generally hustle something up like mm-hmm. and different people face different barriers to doing that and there are certain ways in which yeah totally that's like easier for me or whatever than it is for some people but like also i think it's really important people feel empowered to like begin stuff themselves and to build community and like get in contact with other people themselves um and i think those are kind of the major ways that you become better by reading by writing by talking about reading um <laughs> Also, performing to audiences is really important because then you can't get away from how people respond to the stuff that you do. Uh, mm-hmm. But if you perform for an audience, it's also important to pay attention to the audience. Mm-hmm. Um, I think sometimes writers think the audience is there for them, and it's like, well, maybe sometimes, but in the end, you should be there for the audience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Um, that's advice in how to become a good writer and find an audience that cares about you in terms of how to be a commercial success. I don't know. <laughs> I, I purposely didn't ask that question. That's, that's a whole other issue right there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, like how you, cool. I guess if you want to be like a commercial success, write erotic fiction, probably. <laughs> mm-hmm.